A young woman named Rachel survives as a scavenger in a ruined city half destroyed by drought and conflict. The city is dangerous, littered with discarded experiments from the company, a biotech firm now derelict, and punished by the unpredictable predations of a giant bear. One day, Rachel finds Bourne during a scavenging mission and takes him home. Bourne is salvage is little more than a green lump, plant or animal, but exudes a strange charisma. Against her instincts, Rachel keeps Bourne. She cannot help herself. Bourne makes Rachel see beauty in the desolation around her. She begins to feel protectiveness she can ill afford. Treat Yourself, a book club podcast where each month we read a book and review it here for your listening pleasure. This month we read Born by Jeff Vandermeer. I'm Christina. And I'm Hannah. <laughs> I'm flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. You've got Thank it. Thank you. Uh, first, we're going to start off with our non-spoiler review. Hannah, I'm dying to know what you thought. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Starting us off. So, uh, well, I had a few issues with this story. <laughs> <laughs> I think ultimately it was fine. Yeah. I I liked the ending, but Goodness, the road to get there was really frustrating. Mm -hmm. I guess my biggest problem was the writing style. And this could be something that is just like specific to me where like, I don't know if it was like, I don't know, because I feel like we were getting the same amount of like world building per sentence that we got in The Empress of Salt and Fortune, but something about the way that he was writing made it so that it took me forever to read a page, and I ended up skimming, like, a lot mm -hmm. instead of, like, actually reading through every single paragraph, because I was just annoyed <laughs> at uh, how long it was taking me to get through a sentence. Right. Um, so again, that could just be me personally, but like, it, I was having a really hard time focusing on what I was reading. There's not a, much of a plot to this book, which is fine. I love character-driven stories, mm -hmm. but I didn't care about Rachel, like, at all. Yeah. Honestly, I hated her until the end of part two. And even then, I think she still annoyed me. That's fair. She was a hypocrite. Uh, her decision-making made no sense. At the end of part two, like I said, she kind of turns it around for me. But those first two sections, she was just so annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. And then, like, what plot what plot that there is is interesting. And I kind of wish that the book honestly hadn't focused as much on Bourne and was focused on the company and, like, unraveling those secrets. Because I was much more interested in that. I, I mean, as a character, I thought Bourne was interesting. Mm -hmm. He had some cute moments. And, I mean, in the end... Like, I guess I enjoyed the ending, but yeah, Rachel was a pain and the journey to get to the end. I'm not sure if that was <laughs> necessarily worth it. <laughs> it was fine. It was eh. <laughs> I definitely think it's Jeff Vandermeer's writing style where he's, he's mm. very wordy 
yes. uses a lot of adjectives. Yes. <laughs> but what about you, Christina? What are your thoughts? So I, um, I liked the book. I read it in three days. So mm. I kind of devoured it. But like you said, there wasn't much to it, which I think is why I read it so fast. Okay. I liked Born the most. I wanted mm. more of Born, and I hated how Rachel treated him, which made me hate Rachel. Which hating the narrator okay. is hard. Mm. I hated her relationship with Wick. She made me so mad. <laughs> It just, that sucked, but I liked, I liked the setup. I liked the setup of the world. I liked the character building in general. Like I liked the characters he created Mm. and I thought they were spooky and weird. And, you know, I knew he was going for like an HP Lovecraft feel like, like he does with all of his novels I wanted to know more about the company and how they had gotten yes. to this place. Uh, there are two more novels after this one. The next one is oh, A Strange mm-hmm. Bird, and which is a novella, 128 pages. And the one after that is Dead Astronauts, which focuses mm-hmm. on three dead astronauts that come up continuously in this novel. Um, and it's kind of a prequel. So I'm kind of interested in the prequel aspect. I hear it's kind of, uh, I don't know if existential is like okay. the word for it, but it, I don't, which makes me kind of not want to read it. A prequel would be more interesting to me, I think, than reading this book again. Okay. I don't know. Fair enough. Or maybe reading Strange Bird, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I was conflicted because I really did. I loved all the born moments in it. I thought they were really cute. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. He was cute and conflicted. And I totally understood where he was coming from the whole novel. (laughs) Anyways. And now if you're fine with it, Hannah, we're going to dive into our spoiler filled review. So dear listener, if you don't want to be spoiled, don't continue to listen. Go to your favorite bookstore or the library. Pick up this novel. Read it. Come back to us and rejoin us. Or, if you don't mind, continue listening. All right. Yeah. So, Rachel is a scavenger in this weird dystopian future. Yeah. And she finds this weird purple sludge creature mm-hmm. stuck to the si- stuck to the giant bear <laughs> stuck to the side of a giant bear so okay i was going to first attempt to just listen to this book via audiobook and <laughs> okay. i listened to the first i don't know 10 12 minutes and i was like who is mord is mord like a drug lord like what is happening like i could not grasp what was going on at all I was like, mm. oh, what is happening? I'm so confused. Yeah, we're getting details like Mord can drink from the river, even though it's toxic to everybody else. And wait, Mord can also fly and is like 
supposedly super tall, like three stories tall, and is just like crashing around into things. But hey, is a great resource for scavengers because I guess like things just get stuck in Mord's fur. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Mord is terrifying. Why would scavengers even get close to him? I have so many questions. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so I was like, I need to read this because I need to take this slower. Yeah, I don't think you can listen to any Jeff Vandermeer novel because, (laughs) yeah, he packs in way too many words into too many sentences, you know, into his sentences. And you're like, I can't catch all this information when someone is just telling it to me. I have no clue what's going on. Yeah. So she follows Mord and somehow picks this purple sludge thing off of his fur. Yeah. This is the thing I'm going to take back with me. Yeah. Without Mord noticing at all, which good for her. Mm -hmm. I would never attempt to do that, uh, knowing what I know about Mord. She stuffs it under her shirt. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which also seems risky. Like, what if it latches onto her and, like... She has no clue what this thing is. And they live in this, like, a hellscape where it seems like everything is toxic. I honestly... Throughout the book, I wasn't even really clear on how many people were actually living in this, like, city where Mm -hmm. everything is in ruins. Which kept throwing me off because... I At times, it felt like it was only her and then, like, her partner, Wick. And... And then other times it's like, well, there's this crime boss. And then, like, Wick is selling drugs to all these other people. And so I just, I don't think I ever truly had a grasp on how many people exist in this dystopian city. Right. And then, like, every now and then she'd go out and scavenge and come across, like, a band of children surviving. I'm like, how are all these children surviving? We're all the adults. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So she brings back this piece of, they're calling it biotech. Mm -hmm. Basically, the company made all this biotech, including Mord, which Mm is, uh, they just filled the world with biotech. Yeah. So everything in the world is basically biotech, like down to fireflies, down to earthworms. I think the company, perhaps at the beginning, had good intentions Like, we're going to save the world by creating these earthworms that, like, help decompose, you know, Mm. human waste faster, you know, and that kind of biotech. Um, But it just got out of hand until the point where they made Mord, who is this grotesque giant bear that just patrols the city now and terrifies everyone and ended up destroying his own company, his own maker. Yeah. And that's when the fall of the company came that, or at least that's what we think. We don't really Mm -hmm. know, but then we meet Wick and he is super suspicious of this purple lump, which Mm -hmm. is fair enough. I loved Wick. (laughs) I think I know Rachel was like, conflicted about him for the longest time and her reasoning didn't always necessarily make sense to me but I don't know from what little we saw of him I was like he's making a lot of great points why aren't you listening to him yeah I mean I didn't want him to tear apart Born. I was really protective no, of Born. I agree with that <laughs> I mean 
So Wick is this human biotech hybrid, and we don't know why. He's full of these, uh, like, diagnostic worms and these... Mm-hmm. worms that are like keeping him alive basically we don't know the reasoning yet but he right away can like tell that there's something weird about born mm-hmm. well i think it's because we we learn a lot later about like wick and more of his connections to the company like you know towards the beginning that he used to work for them mm-hmm. you know that he like doesn't anymore and that he was basically tossed out and it is later when we kind of get the more details about how he is you know like part biotech and like kind of like created by the company as well and i don't know and and that he's he is like dying and sick and rachel doesn't know that for a long time so she's just always kind of judging him for, I mean, being a, a drug dealer. I don't know. I mean, I guess he is. He has, like, these memory beetles that he offers to people to try and, you know, let them have some good memories and, like, forget things that they want to forget because they're living in a very terrible place. Yeah. Which I think is fair. But yeah, I don't know. Rachel's just very judgmental of all of his choices, not necessarily realizing how much he does know about the company and and that he is, you know, incredibly sick. She doesn't necessarily realize that for a while. I know. She makes a lot of prejudgments. Ugh, it's just... She learns a lot in the span of this novel. And it's like, how long have you been living with Vic up to this point? Yeah. Like, it's not very clear. And it's like, you would think like living in an apocalypse situation with someone that maybe you would have like I know Wick is super closed off and Rachel's mm-hmm. super closed off as well. Yeah. But you would think like maybe they would have opened up at some point. Yeah. And I think that's like where the hypocrisy comes in with her because she is closed off, but then she's like expecting him to reveal every single aspect of himself mm-hmm. to her. And but she won't do the same for him. And I, I mean, I don't know. It's just frustrating. Yeah, it is. Yeah, she's a really frustrating character. I wanted to really like her. <sighs> Rachel. Rachel. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Back to Bourne. She's hanging out with Bourne. Back to Bourne. <laughs> she brings him home. She refuses uh, to let Wick near Bourne at this point because she thinks Wick is going to just dismantle him and take him He probably would. He definitely would. (laughs) Wick is already super suspicious of him. Um, And, you know, I think there's a part of me that thinks Wick knows exactly what Bourne is. Possibly, yeah. You know, um, it's so I mean, he probably has a good guess. He has a good guess. But it's so hard to tell because he's so closed off. But either way, um, she puts, she tries to figure out what Bourne wants and needs and like what he is. Like, is he a plant? Is he an animal? Mm -hmm. Like, she tries to classify him. She puts him under some sunlight in the bathroom and finds that Mm -hmm. he does kind of photosynthesize. Mm -hmm. But um, he also like moves when she's not looking. Yes. And it becomes, like, this fun game that they kind of play without talking to each other. I mean, they don't talk, but 
she'll leave, he moves, and then she has to, like, go find him, like, a hide-and-seek game. Right. Which, again, I... (laughs) I don't know if I was living in this world where literally everything could kill you. Like, everything is dangerous. If I brought this little thing home and it just started, like, horror movie, like, jump scare all of a sudden appearing in places that I didn't think it would appear in, <laughs> I would be like, what is going on? Well, I don't know that I would trust Bourne. <laughs> Bourne had some really good uh, calming tactics, though. So, mm-hmm. it's dark purple but it also strobes this emerald green color which i think is pretty calming it also had this briny smell like the ocean and Mm -hmm. she says over and over again that she doesn't know if it would have the same smell for everyone because it has a smell that reminds her of her childhood where she grew up on an island right so he reminds her of her childhood so I think she automatically is just really connecting with it. And I think that's part of yeah. Bourne's like defenses to like tap into her memory somehow, which is also like, mm-hmm. that would make me more suspicious of it. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, how do you know what my childhood smelled like? At the same time, like, I think she's just automatically like hypnotized by this lump. <laughs> yeah. And she can't help herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she can't help herself is my is okay. my theory. <laughs> but also, okay, also, he starts, well, she starts referring to it as a he for some reason. Mm-hmm. It starts eating random things. Like everything. Everything. It'll eat anything. Trash, bugs, salamanders, geckos, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she likes it because it eats, like, the trash in her apartment that she doesn't want to get, or, you know, has a hard time getting rid of. Mm-hmm. So she's like, "Yeah, you're useful. Please stick around. Right. Yeah, and as he's eating, he's getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> just like, I don't know. Again, in my head, I'm just like, this is so, this is not good. <laughs> I, born is cute, but this is also very worrisome. Also, because, like, in my head... I was just like, oh, okay, Bourne's gonna just, like, continue to grow and grow and grow until, like, rivals moored inside, and then we have, like, a kaiju battle going on. Oh, yeah, Um, you called it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and Wick called it, too. He's like, it doesn't poop. Where is the waste going? Yeah, he was really concerned about that. Yeah, he was really concerned about it not pooping. I I, I do appreciate Wick's attempts to try and get Rachel on his side. None of them work, but he keeps trying mm-hmm. to like kind of be logical about things. But then the focus on like, but where? Why isn't he having any kind of waste? What is going on? Yeah. I'm just like. I don't know. As Rachel, I I think I would honestly kind of be like, yeah, that's a positive. I don't have to clean up after this pet. Yeah, I think that's exactly what Rachel was thinking, too. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And I think part of the issue, too, is that Wick was like, every time he approached her, he was like, drunk, like he was constantly drunk or high. And he also was super aggressive. And I think 
Rachel just didn't respond to that kind of approach. And I'm not saying like, hey, if Wick changed his approach, maybe she would listen. Because at this point, I think she was really invested in Bourne. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if she would have listened to reason at all, no matter what. Yeah. And I I think, again, it goes back to kind of like how she's incredibly... She's suspicious of Wick, but she's not suspicious of Bourne. Because I guess she like sneaks into Wick's apartment because uh, they have, like, separate apartments yeah. and, like, separate places, spaces within their, like, safe house, basically, uh, and goes in there and I guess she finds, what was it, like, the, like, telescope thing made out of scales that shows, like, blueprints of unfinished projects and just all these things. Right. And she's just continuing to get more suspicious of him and, and the fact that he doesn't really talk about his past i didn't even write that many notes for that chapter it was like what i found in wick's apartment and i wrote porn is growing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i didn't even write what she found in his apartment but it was like uh blueprints for like a leviathan with a human's face or something yeah so this is his project with the company that got him fired yeah um is what we come to find out but it's not even that crazy because we already I don't know if she knows this already actually I don't know why I this always happens in books and movies and shows and whatnot where I'm like why won't they just be honest with each other it would like ugh, just solve all of this yeah they just need to talk to each other (laughs) exactly just be honest and I feel like they respect each other each other enough deep down inside that they would be able to get over it yeah uh, and in the next chapter, we do learn right away that that fish project was sabotaged by someone else. And that's mm-hmm. what led to his termination. And Mord knew about that fish project. We kind of yes. get the sense that Mord was a human that was turned into a bear. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if... <sighs> Like, I definitely knew that Mord was at the company before becoming the huge, like, patrolling thing mm-hmm. that Mord becomes. But yeah, then it's later in the book where it is just confirmed. Like, yep, you know, he was a person. And then they turned him into... Yeah, they tortured him. The giant bear thing. Yeah. And then one day... So, Born is still... He's growing a little bit larger, but he's still this indiscriminate type vase shape tentacled urchin squid like creature Mm -hmm. rachel goes out on a scavenging mission and they live in this kind of apartment complex that they've named balcony cliffs it's right on the edge of a toxic river and uh they have like a million ways to get in and out all of them are secret and are uh, I guess, sprung with, like, a million traps just in case they're followed. Yes. When she's coming back from one particular mission, she's followed by these modified children. And mm-hmm. modified children are created by the magician. And the magician is the main opposition to the company. And yes. so she's, like, the other big bad in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, and these children are honestly like super terrifying. Um, like the way they were yeah. described, I was like, oh my God, like this is uh, horrifying. Like they don't have yeah. eyes in their eye sockets. There's wasps instead. Ugh, yeah. They have like giant claws. Like some have like partial wings, like wasp wings or something. And they're just all funky looking. And one has like gray eyes, like, and they're able to just follow Rachel and like slip past her defenses. So even though most of them don't have eyes, they can still see somehow. And Mm -hmm. oh, just so creepy. So they follow her back to her apartment and torture her for, yes. I don't know, hours or days? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, hours for sure. Yeah, for a really long time. They just like cut her up really badly. Eventually they leave. I think they just leave on their own accord. They leave and they steal Born. Yes, they leave and they steal Born. And Wick comes by and is horrified and is sorry that he wasn't there and immediately starts mm-hmm. uh, suturing her wounds. And yes, Rachel, of course, her first concern is, Oh my God, they took born. Like, yeah. <laughs> Where's born. And Wick, where is he? Wick's like, uh, born sitting here in the corner of the room. Yeah. He's just like right outside the door. <laughs> he's just right there. And now he's bigger. And so then of course I wrote in my notes, well, he definitely ate those kids. Right. Like, uh, yeah, I was like, I think born <laughs> ate her attackers. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> like it's obvious. <laughs> and of course, like now he has like a ring of eyes around yes. his body <laughs> that like orbit him and of course one of them is the pair of gray eyes yes from that boy oh god and he can talk yeah and his voice at first sounds like the gray-eyed boy's voice oh my god and if rachel right at that moment isn't like hey he's eating people she's a dub-dub and of course, she's not like that. So she's not very concerned. And I mean, I will say, like, yes, the kids who attacked her do deserve some kind of punishment, um, for sure. But like, I don't know. You should be concerned that this thing that you've brought into your life is eating people, right? <laughs> Although, okay. Here's where Rachel starts to get super hypocritical and annoying because mm. she, like, once she starts to be able to talk to Born, she's like, you sat in the corner of the room and you didn't do anything to save me. And Born's like... Oh, yes! And Born's like, uh, uh... Like, are you really that stupid? Like, I ate your attackers. Like... <laughs> Yeah, uh... <laughs> like, I mean, oh, gosh. like, what do you want me to do? I ate your attackers. I mean, yeah, he waited until after she was tortured and maimed, and it did take mm-hmm. her weeks and weeks to recover. But, yeah, I mean, maybe he didn't want to reveal himself 
that early. Yeah, I, I think it's partly that he didn't want to reveal himself, and I feel like later on in the story we kind of get that, you know, Bourne is kind of aware that maybe he shouldn't be eating people, but it's also just, like, in his nature. Like, that's what he eats, mm-hmm. is everything and and people, and... So I don't know if it's just in that moment he was, you know, trying to continue that and maybe, like, was worried, you know, once he starts, he won't be able to stop. Right. Type of thing. Yeah. And he didn't want Rachel to think that he would eat her next, I think. Yeah. He definitely has a bond with Rachel and doesn't want her to think poorly of him. Mm -hmm. But, gosh, Rachel, seriously. You were sitting in the room and you didn't even save me like get out of here he was a lump of purple i don't know goo Mm -hmm. yeah and of course wick is like this is really suspicious please let me examine born like please (laughs) (laughs) like this is not gonna end well (laughs) exactly she's like rachel's just like nope (laughs) it's fine it's fine (laughs) And of course, she hides the fact that he could talk uh, from Wick mm-hmm. uh, as as long as she can. Yeah. <laughs> my my next note is when she uh, like disguises born in a large hat and sunglasses <laughs> and like an evening dress. Yes. <laughs> which, which that was cute. I I will. Yes. <laughs> I know. I was. I'm 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 like a bit hard on born. I think ultimately. He's an interesting character, and I do feel for him, because, like, you know, he can't really help what he eats. Like, if that's... I don't know. It, I don't know. But anyway, it's just... That was cute when he was in his disguise. I think he's purposely, like, really childlike. And, you know, yeah. he's... There's something to be said about, like, him subsuming everything because he's hungry but also like hungry for information you know he's learning at a really high rate um and also I don't know I just I thought he was super cute the whole time I just this part of the novel when he's growing up I just found really endearing Mm. um when he's still kind of really childlike yeah, so of course I loved that scene, and um, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he starts insisting that he's like a person just like Rachel, which I found a little creepy because he's also like starts answering question like her questions in the same way that she would answer the questions, mm-hmm. and it, it's almost like he's confusing her memories with his memories, at which point I wrote the note, is he gonna body swap with her? Huh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and when he started, well, that whole cute scene when she dressed him up in an evening gown and the hat and everything, that was... <laughs> I mean, that was foreshadowing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, super cute. Yeah, and she definitely has gaps in her memory as well at this point where she honestly Mm -hmm. isn't super sure how she even got to this place. (laughs) 
uh, where she's stuck so and, and isn't completely sure what happened to her parents. Pretty sure they're dead because it seems like a lot of people are dead. Though, again, there also seem like there are a lot of people living there. Yeah. Still confused about the population of yeah. that place, but I guess it really doesn't matter. She thinks she came in on a river and her parents drowned and she says something about her lungs filling with silt and that's all we know. Um, of course, we, we mm-hmm. think we'll learn more later. Um, so then we go into part two of the novel um, where yeah. things get really sad for me. I was like, I actually, like, shed some tears a little bit in this part. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Um, but Rachel's getting stronger. She's going to go outside and start scavenging again. But she's also really attached to Bourne, and Bourne is really attached to her. But she doesn't. She has this, like, really strong motherly instinct, and she doesn't want to bring Bourne into the outside world because she's scared he's going to get hurt and that he can't defend himself. So she told Bourne that he's not allowed to go with her but of course yeah he he (laughs) follows her in disguise I thought this was was so cute so she's out roving around and she gets a sense that she's being followed and she sees this (laughs) thing that doesn't really look like a human but it's wearing like a wizard cloak and a wizard hat kind of amorphously like I don't know walking down the street right. and it's he's not being Fox. subtle <laughs> he he's might think he subtle. is but he's not no he's walking down the middle of the road <laughs> he's being followed by a fox which is strange I still don't know what that means mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like uh that's born for sure <laughs> yeah for sure so she calls out to him And he goes up to her, you know, she chastises him. And during this outing, they pass by this courtyard that has three quote unquote dead astronauts in it. Mm -hmm. This is where the title for his third novel in this trilogy comes from. They're not technically astronauts. They're just in like hazmat suits that have been bleached by the sun. But it's kind of an eerie look. Mm -hmm. And... You know, she takes a second to wonder where they came from, if they came from another planet, you know, yeah, how they got there, you know. Uh, but they do pop up later in the novel several times. They do. And in this particular scene, there's a point where Bourne, like, waves to the astronauts. And so, of course, I was like, wait, did he eat the astronauts and then, like, set them up like that? Or is he just being super cute and innocent and waving at things? <laughs> I think he was just being cute, but I was very suspicious at the time. Well, yeah, he definitely remembers them later on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then later, Wick and Rachel argue about Born again. They just, at this point, are having constant arguments. Every time Wick and Rachel interact at this point, they're arguing about Born. Mm -hmm. Wick reveals that he knows he can talk. And... Even more suspicious, Bourne right away says he wants to live in his own apartment. Yeah, he's ready to move out. <laughs> yeah, he's grown up. <laughs> I said, is he all grown up or is he being sneaky? Uh, yeah. He has all these rules. Of course, he's like, Rachel, I'll visit you all the time. 
Mm -hmm. But you have to set up appointments to come visit me. (laughs) Oh, born. Super strange. Very suspicious. Yep. Yep. I guess my next note is when... Uh, they go outside when she goes outside with Born again and he's being like silly and transforming into lots of animals and like a rock oh, yeah. and um and she kind of she goes off on him a bit because you know they're outside and and she knows that you know it's pretty dangerous out here like it's not a safe place for us we have to take this seriously when we are out here but no, he's just like, I'm just going to turn into these animals. <laughs> yeah, he turns into like a giant uh, gecko. Mm-hmm. And like silly, silly things. Like definitely not blending in. Yeah. <laughs> definitely giving away their position if anyone is watching them. <laughs> right. Which, I mean, yeah. they are, because then they get cornered in a building by more of those, like, half-changed children. Plus all of the Mord proxies, because Mord has all of these, like, tiny Mords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who are super violent. Oh my god. Yeah, so they get cornered on the roof, and we see this battle between more proxies and these poison, well, so they call them poisoned half-children yeah. here, but they're like modified children. And the more proxies tear up these children in two seconds. Mm-hmm. And it was like five against 25 or something crazy like that. It's horrifying to watch. This is Bourne's first introduction to like this kind of violence. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know what to do. So one proxy ends up coming onto the roof. Born shelters Rachel in this rock. Yeah, like he becomes a rock and like encircle, like is all wrapped around her. Yes. Okay. I thought this was super cute. Rachel's getting like super claustrophobic. Yeah. So he turns the inside of himself into like a living room almost. Oh, yeah. And there's like a there's like a phone on the wall and it starts to ring and she picks it up and Mord's like, Hey, are you okay? Like, yeah, Born is, Born is just trying to comfort her kind of making her feel comfortable inside. <laughs> I thought that was super cute, but then Mord is mauled. I mean, but then Born is mauled by a Mord proxy. Yeah. I will say at this point, I was, Like, I get it, but I was also slightly confused about why Rachel was able to have such motherly feelings toward Bourne, but the children of this town, like, didn't really have any feelings towards them. I do get, like, they, you know, attacked her earlier because of the magician, But still, it wasn't like she, at this point, was, you know, doing anything to help any of the non-changed children of this place, which I assume there are some. Uh, So Mm -hmm. it was just interesting to me that she latched on to Bourne, but then wasn't doing anything necessarily to help anybody else. (laughs) Right, right. I totally agree. And (laughs) this is going to be some... I'm just making excuses for her at this point, but mm. maybe she just didn't realize she was ready to be a mother until she found Born. <laughs> she needed Born <laughs> to open her eyes. 
Yeah, because after Born, she does open up an orphanage. She does. I did appreciate that. I did like that. Yeah, I think I think it did open her. I mean, because I do get the sense that she is a really young 20s mm-hmm. or maybe, maybe it does say she's like 28 or something. Right. Um, 24 or 28. But um, yeah, so maybe it took to her finding this lump of purple goo to... Open her eyes to motherhood. (laughs) This purple goo that's eating everything and everybody. Exactly. She was like, well, if I can handle this, I can handle a normal child. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yes. You know, it's like having a dog or a plant first, you know? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. After this attack, Born is shook. Mm -hmm. He is... Injured for the first time in his life, he's like, coming outside was truly foolish. I understand what you're talking about now, about it being dangerous out here. Like, he's an adult now. He he knows. He's no longer innocent mm-hmm. to violence. He starts to, like, spread out across the roof. And Rachel thinks that's a way for him to, like, try and heal himself or something. Right. And they they spend the night on the roof, or at least a good portion of the night, just to try and wait out all the violence. While they're staring out at the stars, and, you know, Bourne is asking so many questions about the stars, and Rachel's trying to teach him about the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, Mord is just, real Mord, is just floating in the sky. As Mord does. <laughs> As more does, which is just such a strange sight, I can imagine. Yeah. Because he doesn't have wings, he just floats. Yeah. Which, gosh, has got to be terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, definitely. This huge bear just flying around your city. <laughs> yeah. I read the acknowledgments at the end of the novel, and Jeff Inmere was like, I have nothing against bears. Bears are wonderful. Yeah, I read that too. <laughs> I was like, I I feel like you have to say that at this point. <laughs> no <laughs> bears, bears were so... hurt in the making of this novel. <laughs> yeah, just their reputation. <laughs> <laughs> They're vicious. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so that's when Bourne is introduced to Mord. Yes. Yes. And he can see what Rachel has been talking about this whole time as him being this terrifying monster mm-hmm. that must be avoided at all costs. They come back to Wick and they've scavenged a huge claw that's like as giant as like oh, an yeah. arm. And Bourne is so excited to share this with Wick. And they go up to the pool area where Wick does all of his biotech experiments and uh, Wick one is like not happy that Bourne even knows that this pool exists. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He's frustrated that Bourne knows so much about himself, like that Rachel has been talking to Bourne about him and given him any like knowledge. And and yeah, Wick brings up the point then, like yeah. Rachel, have you realized that there's no living things in the entirety of this apartment complex place anymore? Like, there's no living things here. Isn't that slightly concerning? 
And she's like, it's great. We don't have any rodents anymore. Yeah, it's great. Things are good. Yeah. And then, and then this is when Wick is like, yeah, no, Bourne and I have talked before. Like, I already knew he could talk. And she's like, what? You guys have talked? The way that she got annoyed that, like, Wick and Bourne had talked, but, like, behind her back, quote unquote, I was like, what are you doing? You've been talking to Bourne this entire time without telling Wick. And now you're annoyed at Wick because he was also talking to Bourne this, what? Yes, it doesn't make sense. I'm like, he's not just your property. Like, you know, he's his own autonomous being. Especially if he's working on moving out of (laughs) the apartment. Of course he's gonna end up, like, running into Wick at some point. (laughs) Yes. Ugh. I was a little annoyed that Wick didn't care that they were attacked at all. Yeah, if I were just attacked within an inch of my life, I'd want my partner to be a little concerned for my health, you know? That's fair. But, you know, Wick is drunk, of course, and, uh, like, more concerned with their safety. And he has another big thing on his mind, mm-hmm. which is that the magician approached him for Balcony Cliffs and born. And in exchange for protection. And he wants to give it all up. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we learn here as well that Wick has really been working for the magician this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. He's been exchanging biotech with her really this whole time. And I don't really know for what. I guess just biotech for more biotech. Maybe rations. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. But uh, Rachel is obviously irate and taken aback. They send Bourne out of the room. Bourne is dejected and disappears, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Poor Bourne. I feel so bad for him. (laughs) I don't know. I was like, you two need to talk with each other. (laughs) Like, without Bourne (laughs) in the room, you two need to really hash things out. Yeah, I agree. I still felt bad for him because he was just attacked too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he was fairly injured by that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But we learned that, like, they wouldn't have to move out of Balcony Cliffs, more like the magician's people would move into Balcony Cliffs, mm-hmm. which possibly means that Balcony Cliffs could be full of those modified children. Which is a terrifying thought, especially for Rachel, who was just attacked by a band of those modified children. And the thought that the magician sent those modified children as a way to intimidate Wick, possibly. I mean, that thought just spikes the conversation and the argument further. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so <sighs> Rachel is incredibly angry about, you know, all of these secrets that Wick has been keeping from her. I mean, she's also been keeping secrets from him, but these ones, I guess, do. I mean, like you said, these children have attacked her. She has legitimate concerns about this. So I don't know. But then she goes back to her standard practice. Like, I'm going to go search Wick's apartment. <laughs> I know. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) She's like, I mean, okay, to be fair, for some reason, Wick is like, well, I'm drunk. 
here, you and Born, why don't you take some alcohol minnows as well? Yeah. And so Rachel at this point is drunk. Yeah. In her drunkenness, she's like, I'm going to go in order to spite Wick. I'm just going to go search his apartment. Yeah. But then he like immediately catches her and they they do have a bit of a chat, which uh, we learn a little exactly. bit more about like the magician how the magician was also from the company you know she found out about wick because of that like fish leviathan project thing um and then again yeah his deal that he Mm -hmm. had with her where he's been paying her in biotech and salvage for a while but now she she wants everything i think this is also when we when rachel at least learns that you know wick needs to take medicine or he will die like there's a specific Mm -hmm. medicine that he needs to be taking or else it will be fatal for him Right. And they are a little bit desperate. They have these like fireflies, biotech fireflies, mm-hmm. of course, on their ceiling and they are running out of power slowly. So they do have, they are running on like a limited timeline yeah. where they know that they're going to run out of power soon. They're going to run out of food soon. So they are kind of getting desperate, especially Wick. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to think of what to do Rachel's kind of like we'll figure it out you know yeah so she doesn't necessarily want to give up yet and I get that like I wouldn't want to work for the magician and I wouldn't want to work for the company yeah that's fair I'd want to figure it out on my own or try and escape the city at least yeah I agree with that (laughs) yeah yeah she goes to visit Bourne's apartment next (laughs) yes oh my gosh so uh (sighs) So many creepy things. First off, he's decorated his apartment with the three dead astronauts. Yes. This is where they come back. (laughs) The fox that always follows Bourne around said it would add pizzazz. (laughs) Oh my god. Rachel's like, where are you learning these words? Like, pizzazz. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and I can't remember if this is when also, like, they're mentioning, like, there's some there's some kind of mention about, like, his closet and, like, putting things in the closet. And he's like, no, it's full. Yeah. And I was like, that's really suspicious, Born. Like, how many dead bodies do you have in your closet? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Exactly. Exactly. It's like, so his apartment is completely empty. He definitely knocked out some walls. Mm-hmm. And which makes sense. He's getting huge. Yeah. When she, like, there's no furniture or anything. So when she, like, wants to sit down, he, like, makes his body into, like, a stool so she can (laughs) sit down. (laughs) And, yeah, she notices right away how full to bursting his closet is. And, of course, the three dead astronauts. (laughs) Very creepy. Yeah. And I do, uh, this is just, like, another thing. Like, how aloof Rachel is. Like, she tries to be super motherly, but kind of misses the mark completely. Yeah. She she brings all these textbooks down, like, her old biology textbook, or and is just like, okay, Born, let's try and teach you. Like, I'm your mother. Like, And he's like, no, I'm not interested. Like, I, I can learn on my own. Mm-hmm. And eventually, after all of this runaround she's finally like oh my god you were injured do you want me to check your wounds like and he's like 
oh, finally, yes, can you check my wounds? Like, this is all I wanted this entire time. I've been waiting days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For someone who feels like this huge motherly connection, like, it took you forever to, like, get to this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, and so we learned that the Mord proxies are, are like poisonous, or at least that Born has been poisoned, and like the affected uh, skin is is dead, and so he has like these patches of like dead skin. Um, so it's kind of sad, but you don't get a sense like if he'll ever heal or how that works. Yeah, but uh. The next scene, Wick takes uh, Rachel up onto the roof behind a bluff, mm-hmm. and we witness this great attack scene. Yeah, where the magician tries to attack Mord using rocket launchers. Yes, <laughs> she did blow off a part of his face, mm-hmm. but he did not die, and he goes berserk. Yeah, kills all the gunmen and ruins all the rockets. And he then turns on the company completely. Right. Well, yeah, because he, like, goes into the water and is attacked by, like, the Leviathan, which he quickly kills. And then he's like, all right, company, now it's time to attack you. Yes. He destroys the building, which this is where we see that there's still a lot of people living in the company building. People are trying to leave on, like, helicopters and... Yeah, like, I was shocked how many people are still in this company building. Yeah. And we learn here that because of what he's destroyed in the company, no more Mord proxies can be made. Mm-hmm. So, and there's a rumor around town because of this, the magician may have been killed in her sleep. She may be dead. Yeah. Who knows if she was knifed in her sleep or during this attack. Yeah, like that or... during the attack. Like, it, supposedly the magician is dead. Rachel, like, feels born kind of, like, slipping away into his own world. Mm -hmm. Like, he's off doing his own stuff a lot of the time, and she's wanting to reconnect with him. Yeah. So she asks him to help clear out balcony cliffs, because while they live in their three separate apartments, there's a lot of apartments that have collapsed and like, are hard to access as humans, Mm -hmm. but she thinks with Bourne, like, he can help clear them out, and maybe they can salvage a lot. After the magician's attack on Mord, the city is, like, in crazy unrest. Oh, yeah. Like, Mord proxies, um, modified children are, like, ravaging the city. They kind of want to just stay in balcony cliffs. Even Wick is kind of hungering down. Yeah. Except then we have uh, Wick confronting Rachel one, like, evening, day? I don't know, but goes to confront her. I guess she wakes wakes her up. Wakes her up to ask her, basically, like, what are your feelings for me? Do you love me and or born? And I was just like, what yeah. in the world is going on? This makes no sense. It didn't make any sense because it was born in disguise. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was wondering, like, why why in the world would Wick be doing this? And, like, now of all times, I don't know. He hasn't necessarily been one to start conversations about feelings. <laughs> like, he's more concerned about what Bourne is doing. So that was odd as well. But yeah, she then goes to, like, confront 
Wick, like after Wick had had left, she goes to uh, confront him in his lab or whatever and finds herself talking to Wick, which is when she realizes like, oh, crap, Bourne, what are you doing? Exactly. (laughs) And I was like, man, he has gotten good at impressing humans. Like, especially since his wizard impression. (laughs) Much better than that, yes. (laughs) Uh, His reason for doing it is innocent, seemingly. Yeah. Like, he didn't want Wig and Rachel to argue all the time. Yeah. So he thought he could step in and help. And I thought that was really sweet. (laughs) it's sweet until i mean rachel even thinks about it because she's like wait how many times has Bourne impersonated them because she's had instances with wick where wick will be like but you told me this and she's like but no i did not tell you this and so she's just trying to be Mm -hmm. like wait how many times have you done this Bourne? like how many conversations have i actually had with wick versus you in disguise yeah and and even like have i have i slept with you because yeah, uh, yeah, that that's frustrating as well. Yeah, no, it's definitely not okay to do. It's not okay to do, and it should have been a line that they talked about early on. But I, I just don't think Rachel even thought of it as a possibility. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I. Because Rachel hasn't necessarily set the best example either, because Bourne is like, well, you and you and Wick are constantly sneaking into each other's apartments. Why can't, why can't I be sneaky? Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, gosh darn it. Exactly. That's a fair point, uh, Bourne. That's a fair point. I know. I know. Ugh. Well, she banishes him. Mm-hmm. She sets her foot down. And Bourne is devastated. You know, he's like, well, you said that I'm like your child and you're going to banish me. Like, will I ever see you again? I won't know and ever know another person like you. And it's just this really heart-wrenching scene. That's where I shed a few tears. I was clapping. I was like, yes, Rachel, (laughs) get rid of (laughs) Bourne. I was like, who's your son? He's a murderer. (laughs) I was like, you can love a murderer, too. (laughs) You're a murderer. (laughs) But I mean, I will say, like, she's also thinking this is the only way to, you know, keep everybody alive, basically, because Mm -hmm. she knows, like, if I send Bourne away, that'll protect us, because clearly, like, we can't really trust born um and who knows what born will do next but also we gotta keep wick because wick of course really wants to take apart born um yeah so we're gonna keep that from happening too so she is you know trying to protect them but also trying to protect born in her own way yeah and of course what is the first thing that rachel does check out his closet (laughs) no Well, she definitely breaks into his apartment. (laughs) Classic Rachel. We need to break into an apartment. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, what else is there to do in those times? (laughs) But yeah, there's nothing in his apartment except for that closet to check out. So (laughs) you have to. 
Um, he did leave behind the dead astronaut, so thank goodness he's not lugging those around. <laughs> so, that's that's just what his what his like suitcase is. He makes like a giant suitcase and just puts the dead astronauts in there and walks out. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that would be so cute <laughs> with his sun hat on <laughs> yes taking yes. this with me <laughs> the fox said i need it to decorate my new place with <laughs> exactly oh my gosh oh what a cutie <laughs> except he doesn't do that instead he has a closet no. full of like all of the clothes of like the various people that he's absorbed yes very disturbing and he has a cute little journal mm-hmm. that he found that has a bee on the front. Yeah. <laughs> it's a locked journal. I mean, who knows where he found this mm-hmm. in, like, one of the empty apartments. But it's just so perfect and cute. I assume it has glitter on the front. Oh, probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but he left the key in it because he knew Rachel would be sneaky and come by and want to <laughs> And uh, the journal is just, I mean, it's really cute. Uh, It's kind of telling about where, not necessarily where he came from, but his start and what he thinks of Rachel and Mm -hmm. Megan. Yeah, we we get details of him, you know, trying to find other solutions uh, to Mm -hmm. eating people. But, you know, he's just so hungry and people are what he eats. At which point I wrote, is this just a murdery version of the Hungry Hungry Caterpillar? (laughs) (laughs) it is except for he eats humans yeah (laughs) he just can't stop himself but then in all caps born must stop killing born must stop tasting Mm -hmm. born must stop being born Ah. (laughs) but uh at the time when i was reading this my heart was very broken for born I felt really sad for him because the only family he had ever known in Rachel was tossing him out. Yeah. Make some purple goo on a bear. Yeah. But you know, I mean, Rachel sees Bourne like down below on the streets one night and you know, he's got himself this pack of animals that he's like somehow the leader of because I guess he can, I, again, I'm like, why isn't he eating these animals? They're too small. I guess at this point he needs bigger <laughs> prey. <laughs> Only humans will satisfy his hunger. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And he has such a weird relationship with these foxes. Yeah. They've followed him since the beginning. He's I think he said something like they won't let him eat them or something. Something and you like know that, the yeah. Foxes, and you know the foxes are from the company, so it's strange. I want to know more about these foxes because at first I thought that they were definitely spies for the magician. Mm. But at the end of the novel, I wasn't, I didn't feel like that was true at all. Like they're definitely their own, their own little clan. Right. But I still don't know what their purpose is. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, part three, Mord can't fly anymore. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) they just like shut it off like a switch somebody somewhere and supposedly you know possibly hoping that he would tumble out of the air mid-flight and wouldn't be a problem anymore but who knows he just can't fly anymore 
Yep. Everyone thinks it's a magician, even though the magician supposedly is still dead. Yeah. Could be someone from the company that's still alive. Uh, there is a really cute, frustrating scene for Mord where he tries to fly oh, yeah. over and over again. Oh, he takes running leaps into the air. I did feel a little bad for him. <laughs> all three stories. And he just, he can't fly anymore. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah, but Rachel and Wick, they're just reinforcing the cliffs. Now that Bourne is gone, they want to just make sure that everything is ready to go. They're getting ready for an attack of some sort. They Wick is more resolved than ever to not be part of the magician's plan. Yeah. But Rachel decides to sneak out and look for Bourne. Yeah. She, she can't help herself. You know, she's wandering the city at night, which is a super dangerous time to be out in the city. She goes out several nights in a row to look for him. She finds him scavenging, and he's in the body, or in the guise of a body, of this, like, huge, like, fat man. Yeah. And He definitely uh, stands out. (laughs) He stands out. While she's scavenging, she comes upon a group of other scavengers and they kind of they just scavenge as a group there's like this unspoken symbiosis i guess of them just hey you know scavenging together there's no animosity a little girl approaches her and asks if they want to trade Mm -hmm. and so she follows them back to the camp and rachel's like hey this dude's with me and she's like really because yeah he seems like he's by himself (laughs) (laughs) and she's like yeah for sure well she goes back to the tent and this girl wants to trade like some of these battle beetles that rachel has like anything that rachel has for this little boy yeah (laughs) and it's really sad this little boy named teams and this boy wants to give himself up to the magician to become a modified boy Mm -hmm. basically they're just desperate. They can't feed him. Mm-hmm. And and he's not great at scavenging. Like, there, he, unfortunately, mm-hmm. like, there's just not much he can do. And they just don't have the resources. Yeah. And this is when we start to meet some of these other roving groups. But this is a group of, like, all children. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Like, where can all the adults? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Don't know. Anyways, she's like, uh, you can keep my biotech and you can keep teams, at least for another month. I don't know. We'll figure something out in the meantime. Right. I I know <laughs> that she and Wick, you know, also don't have a lot of resources at this point. But I was just kind of like, why, why can't you take these children in? You have plenty of room. That's what I was thinking at this time, too. I was like, oh, just open up some of the other apartments and let the kids like even at this point i was like just let the kids in yeah but knowing what i know now that would have been really dangerous it would have been yeah but this little girl knows rachel by name and by face like she knows who she yeah, is knows about her knows about wick knows about the magician this kid knows a lot <laughs> yeah once rachel realizes that for some reason she decides to unleash uh born on them to like yeah. kind of scare them then they escape mm-hmm. for, and you know, 
And then there's like a really sad scene where Board's like, "Can I come home now?" And yeah, Rachel's like, "No, I'm only killing um, evil people and proxies." Which okay, like he's really trying. Okay? He is. Like, he is. He's killing proxies. That's really hard to do. And okay, but also like, where did he get the guise of that man that he was when he was scouting? Yeah. Okay. Concerning. <laughs> Um, and I do think that she brings that point up. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so Bourne leaves and Wick finds Rachel out scavenging yeah. at night. And he is not happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> what all. in the world are he you also, doing? <laughs> he also heard her entire conversation with Bourne. So he knows that he found that she found Bourne mm-hmm. and he is not happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. But they have, uh, they have, an argument and fall asleep in the same apartment bed and they're woken up to the fireflies hitting their face which is part of their alarm system they have to get out as fast as they mm-hmm. can a horde of more proxies yeah ambushes balcony cliffs. yeah it's one of those things they like open the door to like head out that way and it's just like all of these bears just bears and bears and bears all outside the door and it's like oops close that door nope to the air ducts now <laughs> yeah exactly they don't even have time to like grab their go bags to like get yeah. out of the vents so it's just their bodies climbing out of the air vents wick can't grab his special medications mm-hmm. that's the big failure in this escape yeah and the big question is who sold them out yeah i mean wick is worried that it was Bourne who did it because he's worried that it seems like the Mord proxies kind of know what Bourne knows. So he is a bit worried that maybe Bourne betrayed them. Yeah, I don't know. I, if Bourne did it, I don't think he did it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But they escape and barely. Barely, yeah. And once they do, they're like on their outside and... <laughs> about to get trampled by Mord yeah. himself. <laughs> the actual Mord is there, ready to pounce yeah. on them. Exactly. Wick barely drags Rachel from under Mord, or Mord's foot, mm-hmm. and uh, they get to a cistern, which has is like another uh, hiding spot that yeah. he has set up. And luckily, there's like a go bag in there that has some resources. Still does not have his medication. So they have to make a plan to get to the company. Yes. Which has some of the Nautilus pills. Mm-hmm. Getting to the company is going to be a real trying event, no matter what, because you know it's patrolled by Mord proxies. This whole time, I'm just like, I hope Mord finds them and saves them. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. I wanted him to save the day Mm -hmm. and I wanted Wick to like appreciate him. Okay. But yeah, they're, (laughs) they're like making their plan and Wick has, you know, classic, he's got this letter that has like all of his secrets written in it. Like read this Mm -hmm. letter and then decide if you're going to stay with me or not. And one of those things where it's like did she read the letter did she not read the letter i don't know but she's sticking with him for now so i honestly i was like she's gonna read it right away because she's so sneaky she's been suspicious (laughs) of you this entire time (laughs) 
Exactly. She's going to read it right away. If you pass out for a moment, she's going to read it. And he is really injured. Like this whole, like he's been sickly this whole novel, but he is really injured from the escape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, I think this is where we also learn a little bit more about, you know, how like Mord used to be a person and, you know, the... Like, when the fish project failed, Mord was punished for that, basically, and, and turned and, like, modified and, like, continued mm. to be modified until he went mad and became a giant bear. Yeah. Damn. But Bourne does end up meeting up with them, yeah. like, on their way to the company. Mm-hmm. Says he's no he longer does. being good. <laughs> that he's doing what he was I made know. to do. <laughs> yeah. And he has a plan to save and fix the world. Mm-hmm. Which is a really grand idea, but uh, I just, I think all of us, Rachel, the reader, everyone just, I think it's hard to see that, what that plan could possibly be, you know, how could Bourne possibly fix the world? Right. I know I was trying because he's like, you know, I'm going to absorb like that's what I'm going to do. I was like, wait, so is he just going to absorb everything like clean slate everything and just like it's time to completely rebuild? I know. I was like, are people the bad thing? What like what is the bad thing that he's going to try and fix? Yeah. And, you know, it's not it might be a little backwards. Um, Yeah. But he has been eating a lot of bad guys. And he's been trying really hard. <laughs> and Wick is just ready to attack. Yeah. Rachel is not giving Bourne any comfort, which Rachel does, I guess, to her credit, say that she regrets. Because, you know, spoiler alert, this is the last time that she does see him yeah. alive. So, I don't know. It's kind of a sad meeting to me. Because mm. she's really cold to him. Yes. Mm. I hate how she treats him. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. But uh, they get to the holding ponds, which are really scary, gross ponds full of biotech Mm -hmm. and dead things and things that will eat you. Um, They're just outside the company where they're met by a moored proxy, which is like far away on the plane and then chases them down at an alarming speed. (laughs) They know that there's one door in close to where they need to be in order to get the meds Mm -hmm. and it's blocked off. So it's kind of like a heart racing scene. They find a crack in the wall and they're able to squeeze in, Uh, but not before Wick's shoulder is clawed to pieces by this proxy yeah, it's concerning because the proxy, of course, has venom, and he does have these worms throughout his body that are supposed to help heal him. Yeah, but even so, the worms liquefy into this like black sludge around mm. the wound. So you know that's not yeah. gonna be much. Help. They do what they can, but it doesn't seem like it's much. At this time, too, we have Bourne is off fighting Mord. He's turned into basically like a giant version of, or I guess like a similarly sized version of Mord. 
Yes. And is calling him out so that they can have their, like, grand kaiju battle, which basically all just happens, like, off screen for the most part, just while Rachel and 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 Wick are, you know, off in the company, like, Bourne and Mord are just having a giant yes. kaiju battle going on in the city. Yes, all we can hear are faint roars yeah. in the north end of the city while they're down south. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very claustrophobic for a while as they're, like, making their way through the crack <gasps> and trying to find and hope that it just doesn't end in a dead end. So claustrophobic. I felt every bit of that claustrophobia mm-hmm. for that whole chapter or two yeah. <laughs> where they're just inching along this fissure in the company and eventually they drop down into a room of course the building is completely collapsed Mm -hmm. so they have to find a workaround and eventually a fox pops out of a hole in the wall and helps guide them to the place that they need to be Mm -hmm. in order to find the nautilus pills again with the fox yeah and (laughs) who are these foxes i don't know yeah Rachel leaves Wick mm-hmm. set up in a spot where she can find him again. And she goes off after getting directions from Wick to find these Nautilus pills, brings them back. The floor is covered in dust. So she can see that there's an additional set of footprints that yes. wasn't there before. And she's like, Wick, who was just here? And he's like, no, uh-huh. I'm dead. <laughs> He's not doing well right now. <laughs> yeah, he's... I... Yeah, he's not on this plane right now. And so she follows the footprints as best she can. And she realizes that Wick has set up balcony cliffs to mirror yes. this level of the company. So she's able to kind of... To follow the layout of this level and she goes to where the pool would be. Mm -hmm. She finds none other than the magician. Yep. And a giant glass mirror. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And the magician is of course wearing this cloak. Oh yeah. That makes her invisible. Yeah. We haven't talked much about her, but she has this uh, biotech cloak that makes her invisible. They saw her earlier on the planes fighting Mord proxies. So they know that she's kind of been tracking them. They do know that she's alive Mm -hmm. or they suspect that she was alive. So she's badly injured from her fights with the Mord proxies. She starts rambling on about how Rachel should join the magician to rebuild this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, hey, you know, there's this, like, hidden portal thing. Let me tell you about this hidden portal thing that the company used to, like, send things through to the city for a time. That part I was a little unclear on. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about that. So, okay, they would send resources through this portal, yes. get resources back. Yeah. And... The image in this glass mirror kind of looked like paradise. Yeah. Okay, let's just say it's like an an island or something like that. Yeah. Is that the island from Rachel's memories? I don't know. I I wasn't clear on what was outside. It just also doesn't seem like 
the portal really works anymore, I don't think. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. But there's some kind of portal, and that's why, like, this city, I guess, is so closed off. Because, I don't know, I I wasn't sure if it was, like, on... Like, I don't know. I was confused about the portal thing. <laughs> because Wick does also mention, it's just one line, but he tells Rachel that they're in an alternate reality. Yes, okay, yeah, I almost said that, but I, I didn't have it written down, and I wasn't positive, so. Yeah, so I'm wondering if, because no one ever talks about trying to escape the city to, like, the next town over. Yeah. Because if they're, like, in America or something, why not try to go somewhere else? Yeah. You know? And if they're in this alternate reality, and they're in this standalone city of biotech craziness that was just made to make resources to send Mm -hmm. to the real world, then that would make sense. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe the magician, all she wanted to do is team up with Rachel to fix this portal. Mm. I don't know. She rambles. She rambles for a while and is like, I can fill in lots of missing pieces for you. I can tell you lots of things uh, that maybe Wick hasn't told you. Let me tell you everything. You've been trying to figure out about Wick this entire book. Let me tell you everything about him. Exactly. And Rachel's like, I read the letter and then smashes the magician in the head of the rock. Kills her. Kills her dead while she's rambling. I assume she's doing her like evil person monologue. Yeah. <laughs> and Rachel's sentence. Like, Quiet. <laughs> yes. Ugh. Yeah. The the last shipment supposedly like was a bunch of borns that like had been sealed off here until the animals got in, I guess. All the foxes. And and I guess just somehow, luckily, the Bourne that we know managed to still be functional and alive and was, like, taken out of the company that way. Mm -hmm. The foxes. Luckily, though, for real, all the other Bournes are dead. Because there were so many of them, too. Like... Mm -hmm. It, it does kind of seem like whoever is on the other side of the portal was just like, okay, time to clean house. Like, we're just gonna, you know, yeah. get rid of everything over there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We delve into Wick's letter, mm-hmm. uh, where we learn that Wick is, I guess, to put it simple, Wick is not a person. Right. He's a piece of biotech. Yeah. A, a creation of the company as well. Which, I don't, I, I, again, I feel so bad for Wick, and... It kind of puts, like, all of his interactions with Bourne in a different light when you have that context of that he's also this created thing, because he's also kind of wrestled the entire time with, like, who is he? What is his purpose? Like, is he a person? Because he knows that he was created, and so then you've got Bourne here, who is also trying to be like, well, I'm a person, and I don't know, Wick has, like, all of these conflicting feelings about, like... Are we considering born a person? Am I a person? Like, what are our purposes? And I don't know. It's just sad. <laughs> that was a big um, through line through this novel. Am I a person or am I a weapon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess that's a question that everyone in this world has to ask themselves. And every person in every piece of biotech has to ask themselves. Yeah. 
am I a person or am I a weapon? And even Rachel, she struggles with, am I a killer or did I, do I do what I have to do to survive? Mm -hmm. You know, which is a good question, you know, and that's why it's kind of hypocritical for her to judge Bourne so hard because is Bourne a killer or is he doing what he has to do to survive? Mm -hmm. Fair. You know, but yes, I don't know. But we learn that we learn more about Rachel's history. So we learn that Rachel and her family are from the company. And this is where I think that glass mirror comes into play. Perhaps so they come instead of coming from possibly another town via river, they come via a crate. Yeah. Yeah, they, like, stow away into these crates, which does make you wonder, like, what's going on in the other place, because Rachel's memories of when she was younger was kind of, like, hopping from place to place and being a refugee and, like, trying to find a place where they could be safe. And so then here it seems Mm -hmm. like her parents, you know, took this step of, okay, well, let's stow away in these crates and go through this portal or whatever. But then because they did that, that means that like, according to the company, you know, they're only considered as parts because, like, they came in the crates and the parts come in the crates. So, like, they don't necessarily see them as people either. It's like, oh, these are just more parts right. that were sent to us. Her parents were killed right away. Rachel was sent to the holding pool. Yes. To, I guess, just be thrown into the pools and see what happens. Yeah, nothing's going to survive um, there. Like, it's it's a death sentence as well. Exactly. And that's where she runs into Wick for the first mm-hmm. time. She's totally disoriented. She's hysterical because her parents were just murdered in front of her. Yes. She's a complete mess. Um, she kind of lobs onto Wick. And Wick at this point is true biotech. Like, he's pretty unfeeling. He wants to stay pretty far away from Rachel. And Rachel requests that he takes away her memories. Yes. We don't know how many memories Wick replaced. And that's the thing. Like, did he replace all of her childhood memories as well? Right. Yeah, we... Like, did he give her a happier childhood? Yeah, I don't know. Possibly. I mean, it wasn't that much happier. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, so he, he does. He gives in and he, he takes away her memories. But then I, I think I have this written down that he then gave the memories that he took to the magician because the magician had been blackmailing him about Mord. And and again, like this is when we get that confirmation that Mord was a person first and they built the animal around him. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, really, that's why Rachel ended up killing the magician because she was like, you can't tell me anything that Wick didn't just tell yeah. me in this letter that I just read. Yeah. You know, I know that he gave you my memories. And, well, he just gave them back to me. So. Yep. There you go. Yep. (laughs) I can kill you now. (laughs) I mean, there was another point, too, where the magician tried to recruit just Rachel, and she did hold her memories over her again. Or, like, not her memories necessarily, but that wick was holding a secret from her. Yeah. Now we know what that is. Yeah. Now that they have four doses, only four doses of this medication for wick, they try and make it back to the cistern, I guess. At the time, I didn't know exactly where they were going to escape to. Because right. I was like, 
everywhere is compromised. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've still got the huge kaiju battle going on. <laughs> exactly. Mord versus Born. Mm-hmm. And Born is losing. He's not doing well. He is not doing well. Born goes for his last move that he could possibly do where he flattens out as big as he can and he wraps Mord up yep. like a pig in a blanket with Mord's head just sticking yeah. out. <laughs> a bright light bursts forth and both disappear. Yes. I had to read it a couple times because I was like, does everything disappear? Right. Or did just them disappear? But just say disappeared. And because just these two things disappeared, life starts coming back. Yeah. Things are things are looking all right. At at least way better than they were before. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Like just because Mord was there, like the river was toxic. Mmm. Yeah, I'm not sure about that part. And like things couldn't grow and stuff. I mean, I guess Mord was pretty destructive. Oh yeah. Mord was trampling and on like everything. Maybe, uh, yeah, and maybe things were, like, afraid to grow in his presence. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows, but things are looking up. Things are looking up. Yeah, things are looking up. Humans start coming out of hiding, and I guess this is when we really start to see yeah. how many humans are still alive. Yeah. Wicked Rachel, Greenback, Balcony Cliffs, and... They turn it into an art orphanage with teams being one of the first boys they bring in, which is so cute. I liked that. I liked it a lot. And, oh my god, Rachel finds a dead piece of board and brings it to her balcony and just sets it there. But I was like, what if this dead piece of board becomes born again? I know. I was I was wondering about that because yeah, it's just this like teeny tiny, non-moving, non-verbal piece of him. And but it's just like, but what if? <laughs> yeah, and then we have to go through this all again where he just starts eating everyone and everything. Like ugh. Yeah. But it does seem I don't know. They live out their lives, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um And then there was, like, a little bonus part at the back of the novel, which I thought was really cute, called Team's Bestiary, (laughs) where, so Team writes out a little bestiary where he writes about all the little biotech from the world, and he's like, my mama taught me all of this, and this is, like, also from, you know, firsthand accounts Mm -hmm. and, like, from books I read. And I was like, your mama is that Rachel. (laughs) Super cute. I liked it. Nice. But that is born in a nutshell. (laughs) In a long nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, Hannah, you know what time it is. Yes, I do. Time for book recommendations. You go first. I do go first. Uh, so my recommendations are incredibly loosely based on Bourne, as in they are science fiction books, and that's the only connection. Okay. Um, (laughs) so, uh, my first recommendation is The Lesson by Cadwell Turnbull. Uh, it's about an alien race, uh, who come to the U.S. Virgin Islands, 
on like some research mission that they don't really fully explain to anyone. Um, they can be incredibly aggressive and they do not hesitate to kill humans, uh, but they really are just like isolated to the to that location. They haven't really gone anywhere else on the planet. Um, and then whenever anybody is like, why? <laughs> Why are you being so aggressive? It's just like, oh, it's the lesson. It's the lesson. So they just keep saying those words, like the lesson over and over. So the humans are clearly confused and scared. And I mean, the aliens do bring like some benefits because they do share like their technology and their medicine. But still, the humans are not happy, um, not happy about this. And so... I don't know, like, the story is so much more than that, uh, but I don't want to give anything away, and I feel like any more that I would say would give it away. So basically, it's just, you get to see, you know, what happens as these aliens are kind of taking over the U.S. Virgin Islands. For okay. You know, that's interesting. Okay, so Jeff Vandermeer, he lives in Tallahassee, Florida. Okay. And so a lot of his inspiration comes from his walks along the beach and like from the tide pools Mm. and everything. So when he comes up with his creatures for his novels and everything, it's inspired greatly from like the sea Mm. and the ocean and like all of this. So I think that is like there you go. I mean, the aliens do arrive in like a giant seashell spaceship. (laughs) I like that. But yeah, it's so good. It's really, really good. So I think people should check that out. My second recommendation is Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee. So, okay, I have to be honest. I truly did not understand what was happening for the majority of this book. (laughs) There is a lot of terminology used and there were like all of these different factions within the government that all had their different like specialties and things that they were focusing on. So there was just like a lot and it took me a while to kind of wrap my head around what was going on. Like there's all this warfare going on, but it also has to do with like math and like there's a calendrical heresy going on. We have like people who want like one calendar versus another. So there's like a lot going on. But it's worth wading through that to get to the ending of this story. At its core, this book is about uh, Captain Kel Cheris and her attempts to like wade through the government um, as she's tasked with recapturing the Fortress of Scattered Needles. And so then to do this, she has to reawaken and partner with uh, a disgraced general who hundreds of years ago turned against their government. Um, And so you don't know why he turned against the government. He just keeps saying like, well, I don't remember. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, And so... It's fantastic because you're just trying to figure out like what happened 400 years ago, like what's going on now with the governments and uh, the characters. I love the characters in this story so much. I think the fortress battle, again, kind of confused me because we've got like all of this like mathematics going on and whatever. And I don't know. I think this book might be one of those ones that you might want to listen to. I don't know. I feel like maybe that would have made things make more sense. Uh, but still, it's great. I can't wait to read the sequel. I thought it was. I thought it was worth being confused. Okay. To get to the end. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah, those are my recommendations. 
Christina. Okay. What about you? You know, my recommendations are always amazing. Yes. And always fun to listen to. Um, yes. (laughs) So of course, so I have to recommend if you enjoyed this novel, if you enjoyed Jeff Vandermeer's writing style, I have to recommend the Southern reach trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer that includes annihilation authority and acceptance um annihilation has a movie out um the movie Mm -hmm. does not do the book justice but the movie is interesting it gives an interesting spin on the novel um but the novel is definitely very interesting and how it develops over the next two novels is even more interesting again it takes place on the coast where this kind of bubble force field has appeared and inside this bubble force field the land has changed everything is evolving at a rapid rapid rate and everything is deformed and every expedition that goes in is disappearing or if they come out they're Mm. altered in some way people are finding one expedition goes in and this doesn't spoil it Eh, it might spoil it so I'm not gonna say it but the, it all revolves around this lighthouse and this mystery okay. of this lighthouse. So for some reason, uh, we don't really figure it out until the third novel. But oh, okay, uh, yeah, it builds up this suspense. Um, I guess you know to call Jeff Vandermeer a sci-fi novelist is he is a sci-fi novelist, but it edges on weird and edges of fantasy and uh his creatures are so strange you know they have human eyes they have weird deformities there's a creature in this novel that reminds me of born and you know honestly he's not featured very much but it's just very strange and i really enjoyed the mystery of it all yeah uh, Jeff and uh, Jeff Vandermeer also helped curate, along with his wife Anne Vandermeer, a collection of short stories and novellas called Weird. Mm. It's a huge compilation of novellas and short stories from so many authors like Shirley Jackson and H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, so many authors that we've read here before as well that I definitely recommend delving into if you're interested in that style of writing. Okay. Nice. Hannah, what are we reading next month? So next time we are reading Gods of Jade and Shadow by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, a fairy tale rooted in Mexican mythology. Uh, It's the story of the Mayan god of death who sends a young woman on a life-changing journey. And that's all I know. All I want to know, I just want to go in fairly blind to this one. But I'm excited. Yes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Treat Yourself. Please find us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. Rate and review us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, I think. <laughs> All of the information is in the show All notes. All the information is on the show notes. Until next time, don't forget to treat yourself.